Last week on Easter, we talked about the fact that God was doing something special by sending Jesus, his son, to the cross, and then, of course, resurrecting him from the dead. He was sending a very specific message to the entire world. You are invited to my table. And so today we're going to continue with that, but we're going to look at an Old Testament uh, prophet named Jonah. And today we're going to talk about God's persistence. When we look at the Old Testament events and stories, as well as the New Testament, there's kind of three different ways that we can look at each of the events and the stories in the Bible. One is looking at the individual or the family. What is God doing with that person or that group of people? That's the first thing. But the second thing is what the events that are happening in that person's life, how does it relate with, the, with Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and then the church in the New Testament? And the third way we look at those events is what is God doing in the world? What does this event have to do with the entire world? And so as we look at this event, the events of Jonah's life, let's keep that in mind. Let's look at what Jonah is doing and what the people around him are doing, but also how does that relate with the church today and how does it relate with what God is doing in the world? So you've got your Bible. We're at the book of Jonah. We're going to actually read the entire first chapter. I know that's a little different for us, but uh, this message is only going to take about 15 to 20 minutes. So let's start reading, okay? Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the city, the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the, from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to leave to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. And call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. 
Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And this, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. When we look at the book of Jonah, it's easy to focus on Jonah. It's, the book is named after him, but so is the book of uh, Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Isaiah. But Jonah seems to be the main picture in this book of Jonah, the main character. But if we look a little closer, I think that we will change that perspective. Because what we do see in Jonah is his disobedience, which was both active and passive. His disobedience was active when he heard the word of the Lord come to him and say, this is what I want you to do. His disobedience was active because he actually went in the opposite direction. God was telling him, go here and preach the gospel. But he went there to get away from God's presence and from that calling. But his disobedience was also passive. During the storm, where do we find Jonah? He's asleep in the bottom of the boat. All the other men are trying to save their lives and everyone's life, and Jonah is asleep. That's where we don't ever want to be, either running away from God or in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a problem, asleep. Basically saying, hey, you guys handle it. We're not even going to help. We're a part of the church, but we're not even going to help. We'll just sit this one out. It's not a good place to be, but that's what Jonah actually did. So we find that both active disobedience and passive disobedience are not very good. We find that Jonah is doing all of this, and yet he is not the main character in this book. God is the one who's the main character. He's the one that we really see active from chapter one, verse one, through the end of the book, four chapters later. And let's take a look at really what we're talking about in the book of Jonah. Let's take a look at two problems and two solutions, and then we'll draw this to a conclusion. The first problem is that of sin. Namely, the Assyrians who lived in the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is about 120,000 people, and it takes three days to walk from one end to the other end. So in that time period, this was a large city. But the Assyrian people were vicious people. To, to talk about the atrocities that they committed would be difficult. And I'm not going to do that because I know we have some children sitting beside you right now. But I would say this, when the Assyrian armies attacked you, they were going to win. Not only did they just try to win, they would literally humiliate those who they left alive, sometimes killing them after humiliating them and occasionally letting them live. But the things that they did to humiliate people was atrocious. And then we find God is wanting to send them an invitation. He's wanting to say, hey, I, I've got something for you. 
The sin was the Assyrians' sin, but the solution to this sin is a gift and a call for forgiveness. He's saying, I'm giving you an invitation to be forgiven. That's the solution that God always gives us. He's saying, I'm calling you. I'm, I'm pulling you to myself so I can forgive you. I'm never pushing you away if you'll come to me. I'll never slam the door in your face. Come to me. I have an invitation for your forgiveness. Will you come? And that's where we bring Jonah into the picture. Because the second problem was a reluctant prophet. Jonah. God told him, take this invitation to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm afraid of what they might do to me. I'm afraid of for my life. There's 120,000 people there. If half are children, half are adults, you can do the math on that one. There's, it only takes one crazy person to draw out a sword and put the prophet to death. He may not have been as afraid of dying as he would have been the way that they may have killed him. I don't judge Jonah for running away. It wasn't right, but I believe he was fearful for his life. But not only that, which this next thing I think is much worse. He was really a nationalistic prophet. He evidently believed that God's word and God's promises was only for Israel. And the Assyrians are not part of that. And so he didn't want to go and preach forgiveness and then the Assyrians actually receive it. So he's caught in quite the conundrum. He's, he's, it's, it's like I can't win I, if I go leave whatever's happening. So Jonah was very upset because he did not want to take this message of forgiveness to the Assyrian people. But Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew about a parable about a story of a king who was going to throw a banquet. And so he sends an invitation out to all of his friends. But the friends made excuse after excuse. They had to go here. They had to go there. They had family coming in town. All of them refused the invitation. When the king found out about it, he was furious. So he told his subjects, his servants, he said, okay, this is what we do now. You go out and stand on the corner and you invite anyone and everyone that you see. You see, there are times when we send out the invitation of forgiveness and people reject it. They're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the one who sent us. But if we will go to those who the down and outs, if we will go to the ones who think they could never be invited to the king's banquet, if we'll go to them, we will find they'll be more receptive. Jesus always spoke so harshly to the Pharisees. He said, you guys are far, far from the kingdom. But then when he talked to, well, people with a bad reputation, he, and he saw their faith, he saw how they came to him for forgiveness and healing not only physically, but emotionally and relationally, he said, you're close to the kingdom. Even those who were not Jewish, he said, I see great faith in you. So God sends out the invitation and he always keeps sending the invitation. He keeps sending the invitation until the banquet hall is full. You see the table behind me that they, they these guys built. 
God always talks about his table. He's saying, I'm, I'm calling you to my table. I'm calling you to, to sit and not be weary. He's calling us to enjoy the, the water, the, the wine, the food that he gives us. Because he wants us to be at peace and he wants us to rest. And he keeps sending out the invitation until those begin to say, yes, I'll come. Yes, I'll come. The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord, it's somewhat metaphorical. He says, the eyes of the Lord search all around the earth. Keep looking and looking, finding someone to bless, someone to help. And then we come back to the Assyrians and we might think, well, if the eyes of the Lord go all across the earth seeking whom he would bless, we might be tempted to think, well, he's looking for good people. I mean, isn't that how you get blessed by God is to be good? Nothing could be further from the truth. God looks for those who will turn to him in faith and receive his love and receive his grace by faith. The Bible says, Paul wrote in Ephesians, you are saved by grace through faith that not of yourselves, it's a gift. It's not by something you earn or deserve. And so here God looks at this big city of Nineveh and he sees the Assyrians and he sees all, all that they're doing. And he says, I want to bless them. I want to show my favor and my grace to them, not because they've earned it, but just to show my grace. And evidently that didn't set very well with Jonah. He didn't want to be a part of that. And so he runs. Then he gets caught in a storm and he's asleep and they wake him up and they go, oh, you know, what's what's going on here? Well, that's where, again, Jonah comes in as the second problem. The second problem is that of sin. But now it's the prophet's sin. The good Jewish prophet's sin. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh to talk to the Assyrians. He's no, I don't want to do that. But that's a problem because God tells us to be his messengers for an invitation. See, our job, the process of all of that is for us to hear God, to obey God, and to go where God tells us to go. To be the messenger of the invitation. Our job is not to ensure that the people we give the invitation to accept it. We don't have to guarantee the promise of the banquet. All we have to do is give the invitation. God is big enough to fulfill the promise. We're not. I can't guarantee what someone else will do, but I can give the invitation that God gives me, and then he will do the rest. So this is our situation. We're called to be the messenger of the invitation. There's God's there's the solution, God's persistence. The Assyrians sin, God wanted them to repent and be forgiven and blessed so badly that he speaks to a prophet. Even though the prophet goes in the wrong direction, look what happens next. In verse four, it says God sent a wind. He sent a storm to try and get the attention of this prophet. And then at the last verse, verse 17, it says, Then God provided a fish, a great fish. He did all this not just because of Jonah or not just for Jonah. What was his aim? His aim was not Jonah. His aim 
was the Assyrians. He says, I want to forgive them. I just need somebody to go talk to them. I need someone to tell them I love them and I care for them. So God sent a word to Jonah. He sent a wind to create a storm. He sent a fish actually to protect the prophet. That's how much God loved the Assyrians. And he was just persistent. He continued and continued and continued and did what was necessary to get the invitation to the Assyrians. It's God's persistence. God is the main character in this book of Jonah. And we need, as Christians, to be like God and to be the ones to give the invitation. We're just the messengers. That's what we are. We're sent out to say, go talk to them. Go into the highways, the byways, go wherever people are found and just say, hey, I've got an invitation for you. An invitation to be forgiven, an invitation to be restored, an invitation to have someone as your refuge. I've got an invitation for a relationship with a God who will never leave you, never forsake you at all. He says, come to my table, come to my table. We see this imagery of the table throughout the entire Bible, and it culminates in the book of Revelation where God says there's going to be a great marriage supper of the Lamb. The entire culmination of what we're experiencing here on earth and accepting Christ as our Savior is going to be brought to a marriage supper of the Lamb. How big is that table going to be? I want to ask you something. Have you received the invitation to the Lord's table to receive his forgiveness and his grace? I want to share with you that is what is happening right now. You're receiving God's invitation for forgiveness and restoration. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's the reason why he hung on the cross. That is the reason why God raised him from the dead is to be an absolute emphatic invitation for you to come to his table. It's not my table. It's not anyone else's table. It's God's table. It's perfect because God is perfect and he gives you complete and perfect forgiveness, freedom, restoration. Are you sitting at the Lord's table? Well, you can. You can start that process right now by simply saying, you know, God, I've been doing my own thing. Maybe I'm not as bad as the Assyrians, but God, you know, sin is sin. Lord, I've sinned. I've come short of fulfilling your purpose for my life. The Bible tells us in, in the book of Romans that the wages of sin, what you get because of sin is separation from God. But what you get when you receive God's forgiveness is eternal life. That forgiveness comes through one source, one door, and that is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the invitation that God's given you right now to accept Christ as your Savior. And his salvation is absolutely complete.